and Takashi 69 is back. Oh, and he had the biggest billboards in New York to announce his comeback. So what do you guys think of 6ix9ine's comeback and hip hop at this time? What do you think? Um, well, first I of- just want... Oh, oh go on, Shafi, go on. Oh, <laughs> I think we're all racing to cuss <laughs> this guy out. That's what- <laughs> Woo, who's going to get the hot take? Hello guys and welcome to another episode of Don't Let The Stands. You're here today with your host Eats McKenzie and Nicholas Terrell and Shropper. And it has been a very interesting week. A lot has happened. Um, we are waiting for Boris Johnson to come out and talk about what's going to go on with coronavirus and everything. Um, I just quickly wanted to say um, welcome to the newest, well, editor for that. So if this sounds slightly different, it's because we have someone who's editing the episodes now and by the name of Tony Supreme. So yeah, welcome to the team and thank you very much for helping us out and everything. Nick Shoppe, how are you guys doing? Um, I'm good. Um, I'd like to reiterate the same sentiments as Eden. Welcome, big fan of Soul, um, your Soul show and big fan of what you're doing with us. So yeah, welcome. But I'm doing well. Good weather, bank holiday weekend, took a walk and went shopping. Um, so I'm in a good mood and starting to get darker again, which is a good thing, which means summer's here or around the corner, fingers crossed. But yeah, how is Chope? How are you, Eden? How's everyone? Um, I would also like to um, jump on the sentiments that have been made. Welcome, Tony Supreme. I'm a massive fan of your represent shows, The Soul Surge. And um, yeah, welcome to the team. And other than that, I am tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly the same. Um, I've been slightly short of breath recently, which I'm kind of just dealing with. I think it's anxiety, but um, I'm just dealing with it at the moment. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I've actually been in the right space. I'm currently isolating from like family and stuff, but um, I've been reading a lot, listening to a lot of music, yeah, meditating. There's this new breathless, not breathless, this new breath guy that I found on YouTube. And I've been doing a lot of his things lately, which have kind of been helping me calm down and like relax and stuff. Mm. Um, Special shout out to people that have like colds or like hay fever or whatever going on right now. And like, it's the worst time to have it because you're quite anxious about symptoms and stuff like that. But um, we move, I guess, like we can only do what we can at the moment. Um, But I hope everyone's fine who's listening to this. Um, Remember to check 111 if you can. Um, and yeah, let's get on with the show. So, Shope, do you want to do your thing? Um, before I get into my listens, um, I would like to um, honour two people who unfortunately passed away last night or this morning. It was very shocking news to hear. Um, one of them only just surfaced within the last hour, so I would just like to um, send my condolences to the families of Andre Harrell and Little Richard. Uh, both very, 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 very influential figures in the realm of music. Um, Andre, that was the first one that um, came to surface late last night, early this morning. That was very, very heartbreaking for me because he is someone that has been so pivotal and instrumental in so many careers and artists that I that I love. And 
just as we were discussing Teddy Riley a few weeks ago, you know, he's like the architect of the new Jack Swing sound. Andre Harrell was pretty much the, he, he created the infrastructure for it to thrive as a culture and as a subgenre for R&B in the late 80s and early 90s. And of course, we can't forget that, you know, without him, we wouldn't have Jodeci, we wouldn't have Mary J. Blige, we wouldn't have a guy. And we wouldn't have Sean Diddy Combs. Sean Diddy Combs was an intern for him at Uptown in the late 80s, early 90s. And of course, everything that she did later on, we owe a great debt to um, Andre Harrell. And as for Little Richard, like, that's, I don't even know where to start with that one. Like, he is literally the, the foundation of rock music. Like, literally the foundation, like... You can't speak to anyone regarding the Beatles, the Prince, Jimi Hendrix, David Bowie, Janelle Monet, D'Angelo, uh, Elvis Presley, uh, Big Mama Thornton, like so many, so many artists. Like his influence is immeasurable. It's it's in, it's insane um, what he's done for rock and roll and in the early developments of R and B music, soul music, rock and roll, and a pioneer in androgynous and mixing masculine and feminine uh, clothing and makeup. And um, yeah, he's someone that he, I don't really feel like he got the respect um, that was due to him in his lifetime. And it was just something that he spoke about very often when he was alive. So um, I hope now people you know do their Googles, do their research, go on Spotify, go on YouTube and watch him because he was a fantastic musician. Like, like, a, a great, great, great pianist, great singer. And, um, yeah, so sh- shout out to both of them. Um, my condolences to both of them mm. and hashtag respecting legends. Yep, yep. Just to echo what Sharpia said, it's very sad to hear two greats have passed. Um, I was having this conversation with Alex Reeds um, from Time to Talk about kind of like music and um, how some of the legends that we kind of grew up listening to how we will pass them on to the next generation um and honor their memories we're speaking kind of specifically about um like jamaican um lovers rock artists like bears hammond and um i can't remember the other artist um which is ironic but um yeah like definitely i put a question out on twitter recently about how we're going to introduce some of these artists to the next generation um like michael jackson janet jackson all of these people and make sure that their legacy continues um, and I do think it's important that we remember what they've offered to the scene because I feel like it has evolved every time we look at it, but we sometimes don't stop to think actually it started here. It was this really small thing that kind of blew up and then became the number one genre in the world and influenced so many conversations. So many people became millionaires from it. So many people made changes. Mm. So yeah, a special shout out to all of those legends and RIP to Little Richard. Yeah, it's that dear. I'd love to... I'd love to jump on that and just say that it's um, these two know and quite a few people who follow me and stuff like Mary J. Blige, one of my favourite R&B artists ever. And, you know, she would not be here without, you know, greats like this, you know, and Diddy, like Chopin said, would not be here with greats like this. And it, it it's lineage. It's lineage. It's about having the support. It's about having the foundations. All of these black labels that we have now would not be here without the infrastructure created and 
half of the people who experiment in rock music or in electronic and like black artists who go into those realms for example like little richard was the first or one of the first to really step out there and guide our guide our parents generations our grandparents generations and then this generation obviously ourselves to to be able to experiment so vividly i remember a few years ago listening to here's little richard that that album um in which was released in march 1957 and literally falling in love like all the songs we hear on the old black and white films the soundtracks and stuff like that they're because of him and what he influenced and i just think it's it's such a shame that the likes of elvis presley get the shine um which he stole by the way um from little richards and people like him who who really should be the people as Chopé said as big as they are they should be even bigger they should be the faces of the genre but only people who know and who really do their homework kind of will, will know that but um hopefully the streams get played now people can always learn and always go back luckily and his material exists online um and in uh in physical formats too so definitely invest if you have like the vinyl players and all of that because that sound is that sound is different. It, hit, it hits a little different to kind of a streaming and just uh, even CD is different to that. But back to Shopee's listens and RIP to both talents who we lost over the last 24 hours. And I just wanted to add one last thing. Um, I'm not sure if any of you can watch this, but I I always knew who Andre Hero was like as a name and as someone who grew up on MTV, I remember him in several episodes of Making the Band. But, like, a good four or five years ago, BTH did an amazing documentary about Uptown Records, and that's when I truly understood the first time the the levels of uh, of his influence and the levels of what he was actually doing for black music and black culture at that time. Mm. So, I mean, I don't know if that's actually available to watch anywhere because this was five years ago. Yeah. But if someone if you can find it somewhere that was a great documentary beats is a very i think it was a, it was a three-part documentary yeah, over three nights i remember actually i was a uni at the time it was a three-part documentary about the the history of uptown records so um yeah and while i'm on this little richard i always got recommend a song <laughs> um rip it up that's a great song by little richard so for those of you who have never heard any of his music start there that's a great song mm. um but yeah i'm now going to go into my listens <laughs> I've listened to a lot of music this week, so and I have about I don't know where to start really, but um, I think I will start with one of my favorite white women again, JoJo. So I, I mentioned her single "Lonely Hearts" last week, and um, her album dropped last week, and I've now I've spent a lot of time listening to this album, and I have been thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying this, and I'm just. I'm at this at this point. I'm just like in such awe of her consistency. Like it's like no matter what's going on with her, no ma- all the downturns and all the issues legally, whatever. Like when it's time for a project, an album, mixtape, whatever, my girl's gonna give us the goods, and she's done it again with this project titled "Good to Know." And um, what I really um, love about this is that it's very, very, very raw. And it's quite dark and somber and it's smooth, even though sonically it kind of is um, quite varied. Like just the overall ilk of it is just, it's like very 
dark to me. And this was kind of actually why I wanted from her last album because I felt like she has been through so much personally, professionally, mentally, emotionally. I kind of felt like the last album, even though I did, and I loved her last album, I did. Um, Mad Love, which I've noticed people, I don't think people were even aware that she released an album after the, all the Black Crown issues. I think people think this is her first album since all that, which is a shame. But this is actually her second album since all that label drama. Yeah. Did she move label shopping? Yes. Did she move again after the Black Crown? Does she moved and then moved again, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thought so. Yeah, so after Black Crown, uh, she signed a one album deal with Atlantic. She didn't like it there. Yeah. So she now signed a deal with Warner Music uh, with her own imprint, Clover Music. And um, yeah, so this last album, I kind of felt like she didn't really go deep and really touch on things that I know she went through in the music. It's just kind of, which is kind of, and she even said herself that her last album, though she liked it, it wasn't indicative of her true freedom of where she was at because she said that she made a lot of compromises because she didn't put music out on such a big scale such a long time that she let she let Atlantic make a lot of decisions for her whether what singles they put out what songs even made the album and I kind of could tell I was like this isn't really what I thought we were going to get from her but you know business money capitalism whatever so hearing this album to me this is why I feel like I feel like this is really what fans of her have been waiting for in terms of the lyrics and in terms of the stuff she's touching on because she's been very vocal about what she's gone through like especially with um alcohol addiction and having you know finding solace in loads of relationships and sex and all this other drama and just going to therapy and connecting connect to like she went through a lot over these last 10 years and i feel like we finally got that in this project and i feel like this is amongst her, probably her most very mature most vulnerable well i'm gonna think lyrically it's, her pen game has really stepped up so i just really love that especially on songs like don't talk me down which i think is arguably one of the best ballads she's ever done ever in these in her entire career i love 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 that song that song is was so well written so well produced so well arranged the string section is is beautiful and then even other songs like gold um, even songs like Man, which initially I didn't really care for when it came out as a single, but it really fits well in, in the context of the album. And I actually appreciate the message behind it. It's like, even though she's like looking for a man, she's like very much content with the idea that it's like, I want a man who's going to love me the way I love myself. So it's like, if it doesn't happen, then bye. But it's, if they do come, you have to love me like I love myself. So I really love that now. And um, But I will say this, I do feel... Because for a while, I was listening to this, I was enjoying it, but something was just off to me and I didn't know what it was. And I realised yesterday, I was like, it's the sequencing. I, I don't think this album was sequenced well. I kind of feel like some of the moods and some of the tracks were just kind of like, just put on anyhow. I just, it just, yeah, it kind of, because I feel like this album such a journey for her and I think also for the listener, I think this is probably her most relatable album. I just kind of feel that the way it was sequenced and formatted didn't really make sense. Like, for example, I don't get why you have to think about you, then come back, then don't talk me down, and then so bad, and PD like the beginning, and then man. It just kind of, yeah, the track listing's a bit funny for me. And to me, it kind of, mostly really ruined the experience because it, as the nine individual songs, they're great. Like, they're all great songs, like, individually, but I kind of feel like the sequencing could have been a lot better to kind of communicate the vibe and the mood of you know themes of self-isolation and acceptance 
and all these other things she's going through. But anyway, it's a great project. So Jojo does it again. 16 years in the game. My girl, favorite white girl in the world. Well, one of my favorites. Um, yeah, love her. Next, we have Jules by way of East London and Ghana. He released an EP last week or two weeks ago called Happy Place. And it is literally just... It's just splendid, if I was to use a word. It's just splendid. And it actually makes me very sad that we're having this wonderful weather right now because I just wish that I was in my friend's garden with uh, some wine or uh, some JD and something else which I won't name and just vibing in, in my friend's garden or a house party. I just like, yeah, I just love the way he's melded the worlds of Afrobeats and high life. I'm a high life stan. Shout out to Bola Johnson. Um, high life, jazz, reggae. It's only five songs, but they're just so, 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 so good. Like the production, the instrumentation, it's just, it's just so masterfully done. And I feel like it's, it's such a seamless listen as well. And it's just such a, it's just such a, such a vibe. And I really love the space African music's in right now because I think that when African music started to get prominence when I was like in late secondary school, early days of uni, it was very much a linear sound that was being pushed. And I understand why, but I kind of love there's now a diversity in what African music has sounded like and even the countries that we represented. And Jules is a great example of that. I love what he's doing. I've been a fan of him for a while, but this is actually the first project of hers I've listened to. I, I knew songs Unfortunately, the streaming era, I know songs of his, but this is the first project that I've listened to. And I actually went back to, obviously, he's done songs like Koji Radical and Nooks and Shilingo as well as, like, you know, Wizkid and Adekun Le Gold, who, who's actually my next listen. And, um, yeah, so really great project. And next up, yeah, Adekun Le Gold. Something different. Love, 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 Bok. He's been my guy for a while. And I actually um, was his PR for a bit last year. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know what to say really. It's just a really great, really great song. And um, I love all the songs he's put out in the last year and a bit, actually. And I really am looking forward to him finally releasing his next album because I think he's really in a good space artistically and musically. I feel like he's really grown so much over the last four years because he had this very, very poppy sound when he first came out, which was kind of hit and miss for me. But I really feel like he's really found a lane for himself and... Yeah, so something different, and um, I don't want to talk too much. Any like Eden and Nick have got to say theirs, but I would say I'm a Smino fan now. Shout out to my friend. I'm not gonna say your name, but you know who you are. She sent me a list of like 17 Smino songs because she knew that I'd never heard any of his music. I only heard him on features, and a thousand people have been like, "Sure, it's just Smino. You would love him." And I knew that. I knew I would, but I just never got around to it. So yeah, I'm a Smino fan now. I've listened to like several of his songs and him and Raven Lee need to make her an album or an EP together I just want to say that it, yeah it needs to happen they work very well together and I guess lastly my last last listener is um, back to the UK Leanne Le Havis so she obviously did her NPR Tiny Desk earlier this week she announced her album is coming I can't remember the date but it's coming at some point in the next month two months Eden do you remember the date no but I know it's in June yeah I don't know when it is because she's finally coming back will be her first album in five years I'm very excited I've been a fan of her since the beginning love 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 her and um so I've been listening to Bittersweet which is the first single of that project which came out in February and I've played this like every day this week I don't know why but seeing her tiny desk it just really um uh 
exemplified how much I just love her voice, love her writing, love her artistry, and I love how this song in particular is such a decidedly neo-soul vibe, because she's always kind of turned the line between, like, soul music, folk, acoustic, but this is just, like, a very, this is, like, very much just, like, standing firm in, this is my my neo-soul influences, because Leanne is a Jill Scott stan, she's an Indie Irie stan, and that is brimming through this song. I just think it's a, an immaculate, immaculate song. And um, I cannot wait for her new album. I've loved both her projects. I'm sure this next album is going to be great too. And I want to see her live when we're allowed outside again. I saw her Afropunk two years ago, an acoustic set. And brilliant, 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 brilliant show. So I want to see her with a full band. So hopefully 2021, I can do that. And yep, those are my listens. Um, there seems to be a lot of synergy at the moment between Chopin and I because um, he's mentioned two people um, that kind of related to my listens. So I will go on the segue of Leanne Le Havas um, and talk about Paper Thin and Bittersweet. And I think this is partly because Chopin and I spoke about it this week as well um, and Leanne Le Havas because he was telling me to listen to Blood. I sure um, was. Because I prefer Is Your Love Big Enough? Yes, he was, um, which I still haven't got around to, but I will at some point. It's just been heavy with albums at the moment. But yeah, in case you don't know who Leanne Le Havas is, she is an artist who, um, her last album came out in 2015, which was Blood. And this upcoming album is going to be released in June. And she said it's, the reason she's releasing it is it came from realising she had been um, touring for seven years and it was a result of a difficult breakup. And I got that from um, Galdem. So shout out to Galdem who wrote an article. So Charlie um, Brinkhurst Cuff wrote an article where she interviewed and listened to the Leanne Le Havas album. It's a self-titled album as well. And Leanne said she took the opportunity to embrace the chance to have a rest. So I feel like this project is going to really going to come with a slightly different vibe. She's had a lot more time to explore her influences, her sound and be more experimental with the type of music she wants to make. Um, It's no secret that she was kind of mentored by Prince um, before he passed. And he actually listened to her last project before it was released and kind of gave her advice and all these types of things. So she's definitely had a lot of great mentors, like like um, Chope said, Jill Scott, Prince. She has like a song where she sang with Duran Bonar. So there's obvious, there's obvious connections to um, Erica Badu. Like she's a very, very talented person. And I'm very, very excited for the music. Um, I've always loved her music. Her her cover of Say a Little Prayer is absolutely beautiful. But overall, she's just a very, very talented person. Next, I have got... Who should I go with next? Okay, so just to say the completion of Synergy. Um, so Chope was talking about Shmino. I will talk about someone who is in their um, collective. So Shmino's in a collective with Saba and No Name, and the, the collective is called Ghetto Sage. And my brother actually told me to listen to Saba today. Um, the main reason for that was he was saying that I would love its vibe and um, how beautiful the music is, and he was absolutely right. I just love the way he flows. It's kind of elastic to me. Um, some of the punchlines and some of the, the the rhyming comes from nowhere. Like you'll be listening to it and you'll think, okay, so the rhyme's gonna come here, and it won't come here, but then it will come in the next in the next um word and you're like rah like he can actually rhyme rhyme so his music is really really beautiful a lot of um i don't know how to describe it i don't want to say lo-fi but it's like his voice is the center of um, most of his music but the production kind of goes around it i i picture music in a very different type of way um so that's the best way i can kind of describe it but i would describe it as elastic um in the song fighter you can hear a lot of emotion and that's probably my favorite song on there um the song fighter is similar to the title so it's about different fights that he's been in whether it's with his partner 
or um, I guess a local bully or like um, his cousins and stuff like that and kind of how they work. And in his, the way he raps, you can hear like a lot of emotion from like anger to sadness to um, confusion. And it's just about how he's not a fighter, but he's always in environments where he's constantly in um, being aggravated. Um, So it's a very, very beautiful project. Next, and I know I said I wouldn't um, review an album like I listened to for the first time, but I have to do this project because it's absolutely amazing. Um, It came to me yesterday when I was like my most anxious, but um, Ruben James, Adore, beautiful project, absolutely beautiful. Um, So if you don't know who he is, he's a British uh, singer-songwriter. He previously wrote for Sam Smith and was the pianist um, behind some of... um, his live tours um he wrote the title track for the thrill of it all and he also wrote him um which are two big songs for sam smith as well and he's kind of coming to the forefront now so he's performed with john legend elton john bruno mars tori kelly tom mish loads of incredibly talented people um and listening to his music it's very evident why they want to work with him um i don't even know how to describe it but it's a very sensual sound he's very influenced by um jazz and um, pop and you can hear some R&B it's it's a very very incredible project um I would definitely recommend it to you if you're kind of in a anxious mood or you just want to kind of vibe for a bit and like do something whilst music's in the background but I need to go to a concert by him I know he hosts jazz nights in Soho and which is in the central of London once this is all over I'm definitely heading there because I'm very impressed by what I hear when you listen to his music, you're going to hear live jazz instruments, very rich. His sound sounds very expensive. And honestly, I'm very impressed. I'm looking forward to anything he releases. But yeah, those are my listens. Nick? Yeah, so this week has been, for me, a little quiet. So I've only got like two. Okay. So the first one is Deontay um, Hitchcock, who is signed to Miguel's By Storm Records, as well as RCA Records. Um, he's an Atlanta rapper, kind of does hip hop. Uh, and sometimes collaborates with R&B artists like Slack, Black, whatever, um, and Childish Major as well. But this particular song is featuring Jid from Dreamville, and it's called I Got Money. I Got Money Now even, and it's from his upcoming album called Better, which is to be released either this month or next month. Hopefully it's this month though, because I think he's teetering amongst release dates. But yeah, it should be 11 tracks long, Um, so I'm really excited for this project personally, but this song, I Got Money Now, the production kind of leans towards a more folky production in the beginning. I believe it's the banjo playing, and then it just goes into straight hip hop, like the bass hits, and it's just so good. Jid is one of my favourite rappers in terms of the new generation, and I think I've said it before, he's a lyricist. He's managed to spin J. Cole, in my opinion, on um, Dreamville's latest tape as well. So, um, yeah, I think he held that mixtape together, that project, as well as all his features that he does. And I think that he is really one of the assets and the crown jewels of Dreamville Records. I just love every feature that he does. And I love his cadence. I love his aggression. I love how he's a he's a lyricist lyricist in terms of he respects what hip hop's architects were. Um, and he still can, you know, jump on a trap beat. He can jump on a conventional hip hop beat and still bring the heat. Um, so that's what I love. I just love his diversity. Where Deontay's concerned, I just think that he's really... There's something about Atlanta in terms of their, their musicians. They just 
have this embodiment of confidence and almost being new artists and just knowing that they have the, they have the swagger they have the essence they have the they just have the the artistry to kind of be able to um gravitate audiences and move forward um young baby tate is another rapper who again was on the dreamful tape and is from atlanta she just signed to isa or did a partnership with isa ray's label um that she just started but yes i find that the new atlanta um are doing incredible incredible things and i think deontay is definitely one to watch and i hope that he um, with this project coming up is able to kind of get higher profile higher visibility, um, just higher acceptance in terms of what he does because people like him and in his, his school of rap um, are really bringing the heat. So I'm really excited. So yeah, that's off of Better, due to be released in the next couple of weeks. Black is always on, um, is also on there, sorry, on um, another single that was released called How The Fuck. Um, and yeah, those two singles are good. Um, moving on to the second and last artist that I will big up this listener section. Um, is Victoria Monet and I've spoken about her before we'll continue to speak about her because I'm just super excited with where she's going and where her sound is at at this present time um, and the latest single to be released from her upcoming album called or project um, I don't know if it's an album or an EP to be fair but it's called Jaguar and it's coming out this spring in every interview I haven't seen a date um, I've just seen um, that it's coming out soon. But there's been no kind of um, artwork or anything released as yet. So I guess they're still trying to work out plans around COVID-19 and, you know, all of that. So many artists that I've spoken to lately are in that predicament. But um, Moment, I just want to say shout out to Moment for before I go into her latest single because Ask Like That was the first single, then Moment was the second single, then Dive is the third single. But Moment, in terms of the whole holistic feel of the campaign, she just did it all in terms of she performed on the late night shows across America. She was able to do that amazingly. And the visual is just incredible in terms of... It's just the camera angle. I think it was... It was... It was panned in so many different locations, but it just felt so nature. Like it felt like Mother Nature. It felt nature akin. It felt like if before spring it was cold and that visual came just before that. And it just it just gave me that I want summer to come. I want to be outside. I want to be on the grass. I want to chill. I want to be at a barbecue. I just want to be at home in Jamaica. All of this, like all these sentiments came when watching her visual. Um, it was just beautifully shot, the colouring, all of that. But yeah to the sonics of the song, it's just beautiful what her and D-Mal are doing because D-Mal has been at least credited as a producer on all of the singles. Don't know whether he's the main producer, but he's credited as one of them. But what he's doing and the team in-house who's worked on all of the singles, there's such a sense of cohesion with all of them, but then such different ranges at the same time of what Monet's doing. With Moment, it's just so poetic in the lyricism. I think she's very much from the interviews that I've read embracing where she is in a sexual place uh her sexuality her what she's doing with owning the bedroom owning what she does in there and yeah I just I just get a new sense of confidence from her that I haven't seen thus far and then Dive the latest single again Dima is on there I just think it's it should definitely be on a film soundtrack I definitely get that feel like it should be on I watched the photograph with Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield um yesterday and I was thinking one of the scenes, that song would fit so perfectly. Like she's just so 
as soon as she starts it's kind of like you just you can't stop like that song is just addictive it's very addictive and it's just about again the topic of the bedroom the topic of her romantically and um embracing that sexuality as well but um yeah i just love everything that she's doing very vintage very vintage feel in her music as well i'd say very early early 90s r&b maybe in places mariah carey inspired but yeah i definitely i definitely love where she's going and i love her pen always loved her pen and she's been on some of ari's biggest records and then some of her undercover records as well on each album um she even said her and ari that the last album that Ari released was a win for them because the label picked the singles that they had both been on. So yeah, shout out to her. Shout out to her moment in the sunlight. And those are the two songs. So yeah, we will move into the news. Just before we go in there, Nick, just want to put a slight side note in there for the listeners, slightly unrelated. But I want to say um, we put a poll out recently just to review the podcast and how everything is going. If you guys have literally two minutes, um, there's a link that's in our Instagram bio. It'll probably be on our Twitter pinned somewhere. Um, If you can fill that out and just let us know about you and kind of how you've been receiving the show and everything. Um, we would love to hear from you because we're always trying to make improvements and we know we're not necessarily perfect but we're always trying to learn Um, so if you could take two minutes just to fill it out that'd be amazing no of course um just to reiterate that very short five minutes max i did it myself just to test it out didn't submit of course because that's biased but um did go through it myself even with the most expansive of answers took me about five minutes on my phone so yes fill it out we love you guys and we just want to get better for you guys anyway let's move on news 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 uh been a bit of a quiet week but we've managed to muster up some news which is you know hit the airwaves so first of all we'll go to no signal which we briefly discussed last week um but we didn't go in depth but we will today they basically broke the internet let's just say that they broke the internet on sunday um this became a global black diaspora moment when they did the head-to-head which was yeah just huge uh they did Wizkid versus vibes cartel now this was um by no means a surprise because they had done battles which we've spoken about before last week briefly such as like burner boy burner boy's been included in one popcorn so they've done a mariah beyonce a shop i said not the right battle but whatever we'll talk about that in a minute but um with this battle this this was the real big one the broke the internet you know native mag did a whole interview with them in the run-up to it um they were trending globally across the states you know they got um they got several tens of thousands of listeners across the world okay it's nuts pretty much covered most continents um i know that uh i know the americas were covered europe clearly obviously covered they already cracked that um, don't know Asia, don't know if Asia were tuned in, but I'm sure somewhere, some country, one person made the stat up. Um, but yeah, this battle was nuts. Um, they made a playlist, they partnered with Spotify, okay, like, it's crazy. Um, and now every single battle that they do, because they have a season two upcoming as well, will be, uh, hopefully in partnership with Spotify and they'll create the, they'll create the, um, playlist. Um, to date, the Wizkid vs Vibes Cartel one, as I'm looking at it right now, has 2,080 likes. So that's a lot of engagement. So loads of songs were played during this battle. I'm just going to breeze through a couple of ones that were played. Um, 
so one man obviously Gaza Slim featuring vibes it's lit um Wizkid uh which one should I pick out for Wizkid tease me bag slash bad guys um oh god there's just loads there's loads bicycle don't dull last man standing like just so many songs so many songs but the winner okay the winner of this battle was Wizkid came in for the win you know Nigeria West Africa were hyping this up from the start they had the people ready to vote in the polls which we'll talk about a bit later but yeah they won it's nuts it's nuts so that was the first battle that was on Sunday broke the internet they had to get multiple streams and find YouTube as the one that won as well as one on um, iTunes that they did as well which they've continued to do with every battle since um, but then they went into further battles this week, which have, again, at least broken England, okay? At least come back to England, broke England. So next that was up was the battle that I knew was not right. Pretty similar to Beyonce um, and Mariah Carey. It's just not the right lineup. It's not the right one. But still very entertaining to listen to. Um, Chris Brown versus Usher, okay? I know what you're thinking. We all had our thoughts. We've all gone back and forth with no signal via that real hashtag NS10v10, that is. Um, so, Run It was played. You remind me. I need a girl part one. Post to be. Bit of a don't know about that choice. Um, say goodbye. Confessions part two. My way. Yo, excuse me, miss. Kiss, kiss. You got it bad. You get the drill. A lot of their songs were played. Some weren't played that I that I wanted to play, but you know, they still you know it was still covered on most bases, most eras, most eras. Um, but there are a lot of eras for both, so they couldn't cover them all. And then mm, other one I'm going to highlight as well was Western versus Endubs. Okay, personally, I just think they were the wrong era to line up, but you know, still broke England, still did a madness. Um, so I will defeat you round here. Oh, did I mention who won the Usher and Chris Brown one? Sorry. Usher, of course, won that one. Like, <laughs> come on. Anyway, mm. moving on. Um, so Ush, um, end up, sorry, versus uh, Western. What was played? So I will defeat you round here. Vice versa. Number one. Okay. Oceana Rhythm, which I said, um, best friend, um, texting, no regrets. Maggie and Stardog, Love For My Slum, Fine Wine Remix, So Alive, Medusa, love that song, Wouldn't You, Shana, Nana, like it's a lot, it's a lot. So these were the battles this week. There was other battles as well. Last night was just um, Wheezy F Baby versus Rick Ross, Wheezy F Baby despite, yes Mimi I am going to say, there were some poor choices there. But um, yes, he still won somehow, some way. But yes, let's talk this through. Let's talk the winners. Let's talk the signal. Let's talk Spotify. Let's talk everything. What, what do you guys think about what happened? So I think collectively, it's very entertaining and well done to Jojo, um, Henry, Jamila and the team, um, Scully and everyone. I think this has definitely been something that has been helping me individually get through this coronavirus time and everything, um, as well as a lot of people. Um, interesting to see that Capital Extra are doing something similar, but I mean, it is what it is, really. Um, in terms of the matchups, it's been really interesting because there's a few that in your mind shouldn't work, but when they're played against each other, you're actually like, actually, that's not too bad. 
Um, and I use N-dubs versus Western as an example. Although it was a very interesting battle of the errors, um, I feel like it's also evident how much of a difference um, investing into the UK music scene has made. Um, if we look at Western, for example, I personally love their music. I think they are a top tier group um, and I've always wanted to go to a concert and everything, but I think they're very, very, very talented. And um, I would have played a few different songs personally. Um, I don't understand why Best Friend was played. That song is awful. <laughs> um, also the, um, the uh, what's it called? Young Bane remix. I'm a bit, mm. I'm questioning why that was played because he was pitched lower and some kind of harmony between Haley and him would add it was trash um I would have played night and day I don't understand why that wasn't played that's one of the best western songs ever released um <laughs> and there are so many they didn't play so many songs for n-dubs as well um but also like a lot of people are commenting on how n-dubs were kind of like trash and how their music is timed like and all that type of stuff but really and truly if you look at n-dubs's career that is true but you can also see mm. that they kind of elevated as they had more investment into their music. Mm. Um, as they started making music with Mr. Hudson, as they started making music with Skepta, um, all of these people. It was uh, Tinchy Strider. Um, mm. They made... We're building a hill. We're building a hill. <laughs> I'm not saying that they were incredible and they were great, but there were some songs you could sit to and just like, either laughed at or like a vibe or whatever. Like I did enjoy some of the end up songs. I'm not ashamed to say that. Um, okay. But what, I'm, what <laughs> I am going to say is Western and the investment that's uh, gone into their music through the years. So going from into to where they are now, I think that they are going to be massive someday. Um, and I do think the matchup was quite interesting. I think Chopin has a point on this. So I'll let him intercede. Um, so unfortunately I was asleep during the Chris Brown and Asher one. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, do you know what? Health is wealth, mate. Health is wealth. Um, I was very tired <laughs> after that day of capitalism and yeah, before I knew it, I was just in bed and like, oh, I've missed the battle. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you all um, for doing me proud and making sure Usher Redmond, the fourth one, as you should have. I will say this though, as much as I agree with everyone saying that Usher shouldn't have been battling Chris Brown, I would like to put this notion forward. Uh, who else? Cause people saying Chris and Ush, Chris and Trey. I don't even think. Oh, oh. That I that would have made more sense because they did come around at the same time. But I think the reason why people put Chris against Usher is, is because other than Chris and, ugh, I don't want to use Neo as an example because Neo. Yeah. yeah, Chris Brown is literally the only other person from our generation that has had a similar level of mainstream success. Like Trey Songz is mm. very much, obviously Trey Songz has hits for days, but he's a very much a staple in the black audience for urban audiences. He's, he yeah. Trey Songz wasn't a crossover star like Neo or Chris Brown or Usher and, you know, genuine in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? Trey Songz was very much like, for us, like... So, like, mm. I kind of can see why people would put Chris against Usher. Yes, of course, it's disrespectful because Usher will fall back the floor with him. Like, Usher has songs upon songs and classics upon classics. But I just want to put that forward. Yeah. I think that's why people will put Chris next to Usher. Because ne- since Usher, Chris is the only bi- the only person that's really kind of measured up in terms of level yeah. of success in, in, that, in that realm. But then the same token, even trade, like, trade doesn't really have an equal either in terms of a male R&B artist has really had a consistent no. stamp in the R&B world either. 
which is a shame. No. Do you know what? I just think that not all battles need to happen. Like, it's not by force that because Usher was such a huge name and force, you don't have to force the lineup. Like, as you said, it's fine that Chris Brown, obviously, I get it. I get the logic. I completely get the logic, like you just highlighted. But I think it's not by force. It's just not by force. And so you just take him out. Like, it's fine. Yeah, clearly. Of course. And and that's why Usher won. And I just like to say, so Eden, remind me, what song did Nice and Slow lose to? I think I've got uh, the thread. Hold on. What, what song? Was it supposed to be? Oh, Wait, hold on. Oh, wet the bed. Oh yeah, yeah, wet the bed. Yeah, yeah. N- you niggas are, are wilding. I don't know what you guys are doing. <laughs> nice and slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they didn't play it. They didn't play it at all. At all. The only Chris Brown song that I would have let beat nice and slow is no bullshit. That's the only song that I would have let beat nice and slow. Three in the morning. Woo. Cause no bullshit, fam. That is. One of the best songs Christopher Maurice Brown gave us. Do you hear me? That is a song. That is a jam. That is a classic. That'll be the future to rich sex and queen of slim sex to the end of time. No bullshit. What Mm. a song. When I tell man that song, hey, wow. That's when you enter the yard and get to the bed. That's that's what happens right there. Um, Right there. um, Not right now. We know it. It's quiet right now. It's but quiet. Uh, obviously, I love Wet the Bed. So I'm not going to say this to, to, to shame with but I love Wet the Bed. I love that song. But against Nice and Slow, come on. Please. Please. <laughs> so um, I didn't, Osha obviously won, what? as he should have. Um, as for End Up's thing, I didn't watch that battle either because I didn't care enough. You didn't. But, <laughs> well, listening for that battle because I didn't care I'm enough. I'm so dead. I didn't care enough to, to, to chime in for that one. Um, I, didn't... I will say this, though. End Dove's music was their best when they were in Camden and using four pixel cameras and camcorders and recording in the in their uncle's basement. When they got signed, the quality dropped stupendously. It was a steep drop in quality. When they were starting to do songs with Tinty Strider, what's that fake pop rock song they had called Strong Again? Shit song. <laughs> they, got, they were dry when they got signed. They were literally dry. Dry. The China U days. Fever Las Vegas, a classic, a hood classic. <laughs> a hood classic. Do you know what? I, like, I love them. I swear, them. I, I drive them. past that bridge going to church every Sunday. Do you hear me? I Memories. love them. No, they literally were cl- Northwest best. Like, come on. Like, back in the day growing up. Come on. Yeah. You, and, and, and number I, one, I wanted a yes. hoodie. I wanted to star in the hood. And that's, I know that's obviously Tidgy, but I wanted to star in the hood. Are you stupid? Like, I was a groupie. Well, not like a groupie, but like, I, it was on my phone. It was on my phone. But, it was back of the bus. Oceana. Come on. Yes. But Come that, on. that, they got, I'm sorry, like, they were trash when they got signed. Like, it really went down quality-wise. Yeah. Because they, they were so good and so so well-contained. And I want to point this out, too. Um, I know people are going to laugh at me when I say this, but... Go for I it. think we all, as a community, played Talisa's vocals, you know. Talisa could sing, you know. I, I know people, we're not going to, people are going to, like... But Shoffe, 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 let's just be real. <laughs> She can sing. Let's let's we can we can put that there. You know, hold a note, sing. But the vocals no, no, that no, got no. selected. Hold on, the vocals that got selected. Yeah, yes, when she performed in live. Yes, no, and that right. solo career. 
Yes. Mew. No, no. Mew. No, no. But I, I get I mean, you. I get you. In her in her early days. Yeah. I mean, not later. The we are we are, yeah no trash. trash. <laughs> to the tiger, the tiger song. Oh, yeah, the tiger mate, song. Oh mate. yeah, no, no, no. Her voice got shot late eventually. Like I can tell, she was doing a lot of drinking. Smoking, she was taking care of us, but no you vocals, actually, I'm, I'm yeah. talking about the early days. You actually could hear the makings of a great singer, like, I, and I didn't really deep it as a child, but I was listening to I Swear, I was like, okay, come through, runs okay, okay, <laughs> this, is, this is quite a high, know you're belting. I didn't really deep it as a child, but I was like, oh, Talisa she's trying, actually, she wants something. Talisa, if Salisa actually worked it, Talisa actually could have been a great vocalist they just didn't package her correctly and it just wasn't the right trajectory for her personally and she didn't take care of herself no and she do you know what it is not everyone has the commercial eye in terms of like this is where my and i can fault this girl till thy kingdom come but in terms of looking at her own trajectory and saying this is how i make my solo career cheryl cole you know she did some things, you know, she had some help, you know, obviously, couldn't really sing. But in terms of the package, she used X Factor, Talisa was on X Factor yes. as well. She used, used the build the momentum. And it, do you know what a snaky move was as well? When she was mentoring Alex, yeah, Alexandra Burke, the next year, she, she thought she was sneaky. She wasn't. When Bad Boys was released, she starts to release Fight for This Love. Man. She's a snake. And then she got the number one the next week. Alex could have had a nice two-week run. She made have a one week run. Cheryl, stop doing this to black women. Anyway, but Talissa. Well, Cheryl's done now anyway. Yeah, she's so. done. Everyone's she's toast done. that we're talking about. But yeah. in terms of Talissa, commercial. But I'm sorry, Talissa and Tiger, that song was. Uh, wow, wow. The video. Chopping the video. <laughs> you know, I used to laugh at that in school. Like, no lie, in the playground. That's I remember that. Oh, was mate. the definition of cheap. That <laughs> song. That video, the mixing, the mastering. She thought there she should be nobody time. sitting. Oh, my ears. And when she performed it, I was like, okay, this is the end. This this is oh. the end. We've reached oh, the no. gravestone. We're finished. Okay, so that is enough of end dubs. Let's move into um, the biggest battle of them all and of the whole series. So they're on series one, um, NS10v10 um, on No Signal. They actually spoke about this on Twitter, but there was a lot of rivalry during the um, Wizkid and Vibes Cartel battle on Sunday. Um, now, this is not this Sunday, by the way, guys, last Sunday before, but it's on their YouTube to watch again or listen to. But um, yeah, during this battle, a lot of things happened. I think there was a conversation on social media that I saw about the word clash. And I think we've spoken about this before. And it's gone back to the origins of obviously sound clash culture, um, which emerged in Jamaica and then made its way worldwide and has seen influence in itself in iterations in hip hop, even before this whole Instagram live stuff and verses and all of that. And yeah, there, there was a whole conversation around that from what we'd like to call West Indian Twitter, um, which is a real thing, obviously, to talk about like the the issues with carnival and stuff like that as well and just everything going on in our diaspora but um there was that that went on and then there was obviously that in combination with just stan culture fed into some personal comments that obviously made their way onto the show um no signal on both sundays competition and i believe throughout chris brown's one as well so the person that was spearheading for Wizkid, I want to say Jamila. So um, 
yeah, Jamila, um, who is, to be honest, I'm, I'm just going to say so funny. Like, she's, she's hilarious. Like, she has a lot of funny tweets. But um, in terms of this, like, there were some very personal comments, like, made towards her. Apparently, there were. Apparently, um, this may be confirmed or denied if they listen or whatever, but there were some threats. I'm not going to say to the extent of death threats because I didn't see anything, but there were some threats made definitely throughout the show. Um, and then obviously Usher uh, versus Chris Brown, the person that headed up Chris Brown. I'm not going to say the name, but the person who's representing Chris Brown had actually went on Instagram after and spoke about how the fans were crazy. Like, why are people going in on him like that? And all of that kind of stuff, because apparently he picked the wrong songs for Chris Brown. Um, but yeah, there was just a lot of back and forth. And the person that represented Vibes Cartel, of course, got it. Um, he was a guy as well, a DJ, because he apparently picked songs that no one would kind of win to, um, according to some tweets as well. To be honest, I'm not going to lie on WhatsApp, not on Twitter, on WhatsApp. Um, I did mention that, you know, the song choices were a bit poor on the TL. I did do it in jest as well, but not to the extent of like threats and everything like that and adding them. Um, but... Yeah, there was just a lot going on. Um, I know Eden had some comments uh, about that, particularly like stand culture, pole culture, um, and just the whole threats and such. So I'll let you lead this. What do you think about what happened on No Signal and what it's leading to happen? Um, so first and foremost, I'm going to announce that I am quite biased towards this, um, obviously being... Um, half Jamaican and half Bajan. Yeah. Um, so I was rooting for Popcorn, but not for those reasons. Um, I do, I did listen to his music. Wait, did I say Popcorn? Well, Popcorn did fight in a battle, but was sorry, about I meant I meant Vibes Cartel. My bad. I do listen to Vibes Cartel. I did listen to Vibes Cartel um, when I was like slightly younger and stuff. Yeah. I'm obviously hearing it in the background at some family functions and stuff. So I had an affinity towards him. Mm. But I will say, like in terms of the way it went on and everything um there's a few things you need to know about um there's no signal so yeah one it's not a clash it's something that um it's a playlist that people put together um so you can't you don't lock in a, a song really it's literally there to play mm. no matter what happens um so it doesn't work like a similar clash that um, most people from um the west indies are used to um, where it's like you hear a song and you reply with this song yeah. and you do this and you do that. Um, some people that might not be familiar with that, if you've ever watched the Red Bull um, clashes before, um, that's what they do as well. Mm. So I think it's really important to actually highlight what some words mean because culturally they might mean something completely different. Yeah, um, I'm glad there's no signal cleared that up and said it's not a clash, it's a game show. I think that's very important. Mm. Um, I did throw my two pence in, um, basically giving suggestions on... Um, how you can beat some of these stands. Because the thing that annoyed me about this is um, this this whole thing was supposed to be about fun. It was supposed to be something that people listen to to kind of take their minds away from the reality of the world. Um, obviously, we get so much peace out of just being out, able to go out and enjoy ourselves, to drink and kind of just like listen to music with people that we love being around. Um, doing it in a virtual way has been very necessary to um, people whose culture heavily revolves around music. Mm. Um, so 
like it's very sad that it got to a point where people were rallying like troops from like um what they called Wizkid FC and even like <laughs> uh Team Breezy for Chris Brown and um all of these people came and started kind of like affecting the poll. I am gonna say the beehive, I'm sorry. I know you guys think I hate you, but it's facts. You guys are doing a lot. Um I, d- I didn't see the lambs doing as much as you guys were doing as well, but you know, I'm just gonna say that. I do think it's annoying how we can't enjoy music without it becoming slightly political. Mm. Um, how it's come to a point where people will rally hundreds of people just to win a vote that was purely for fun to begin with. Um, and it's unfortunate that people who kind of are there to kind of spread joy and like represent people they love listening to are being abused and being sent death, well, not death threats, but being sent threats and comments and mm. all of these types of things when their their job was to really just enjoy the music but i i will say that we've spoken about stan culture a lot there's an episode we had i think it's episode eight of either season two or season three mm. where we had han on um so hanaya um, angus who's a, a culture writer and she spoke about stan culture and she's written an article about it on medium which we'll link in the bio and it's kind of just going into where it started how it started to so like a stan being a stalker fan and um, how they obsess about their artists to the point where they will do everything to defend them, how basically their personality might be modeled around them mm. um, and how they have certain emotional attachments to them. And I do think with like music, it's it's slightly scary to see the length some people are going to um, to see some of their favorite artists win. Um, and we've seen it recently with the Say So remix and the um, Megan The Stallion remix of um, Savage. Savage. Um, it is very, very interesting. Um, and mm. it is something that one day I'm still holding out for that episode where we speak to like a psychologist or someone um, just kind of breaking down why people are stands, why that happens and all that, those, all those types of things. If you want that episode, by the way, answer it in the poll. We'll definitely look at it. If you are interested in that, mm. the poll will be in the um, pinned tweets on Twitter, just to say. But overall, there's no signal. They're doing amazing. WizKid versus Vibes was pure fun for a lot of people, but then it bought the, the Diaspora Wars. I think we just need to enjoy the music. Really and truly, this whole Diaspora War thing is really tiring. Like, we're big people now. Yeah. Um, even as little people, there's no excuse for it. But honestly, it's tired. It's very tired. We should be just enjoying the music. WizKid makes amazing music. He is an amazing artist. Um, and I have no qualms with him just because yeah. he is a Nigerian artist. That doesn't mean anything to me whatsoever. Mm. Vibes Cartel makes great music. Um, he's he's the king of dancehall. Um, <laughs> and I think that's where we should approach these things. Like, okay, they made this music. Like, it's not going to kill me if it's with, like Wizkid winning isn't the end of the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got to say. Um, yeah, that's really it. I have a question. Oh, go on. A contentious question. Go for it. And especially for both of you as the, the, the Caribbeans of the of the, the, the group. Ask. What what are your thoughts on um Vibes being celebrated in such a way when he obviously he's a convicted murderer? Because I saw some people talking about how R. Kelly should have been going against Usher and everyone was saying obviously for obvious reasons R. Kelly wouldn't be included and someone was like, Well, why are we celebrating Vibes Cartel when He's, a, he's yeah. a convicted murderer and domestic violence abuser. So I just wanted to give you both your thoughts on that in this context. Um, I think that in this context and in... I've addressed this before personally, like in conversations that I've had with friends, 
and stuff like this. I think it's... Do you know what? It's an interesting one because I think a lot of people pick and choose, obviously, when... Uh, what's the term? Cancel culture or moral lines apply um, and when they don't. And I think with R. Kelly... I've always said this, actually, even in discussions and stuff. I've always said that paedophilia... I've always... People like my friends know this, like paedophilia and stuff like that and, like, sexual assault or rape, all of that bundled into one, even though they're different things, but bundled up under sexual assault, um, to me is my line where, like, it just, it just makes me feel a type of way. And obviously murder is similarly a disgusting act and you've ended someone's life. And even with, some people could argue that even with sexual assault, the person is still alive. Like, even though it's a stupid point, but some people could argue that. But... In terms of my line, I'm going to be really honest, that the the former, which I mentioned, R. Kelly, what he's, he's being convicted for, and etc. Um, it, it leaves a different taste in my mouth to murder. And that is that is weird for me to say even out loud, but I don't know. I, th- I, do, I do feel like, I should be I should be challenged on that like you did you just challenge me on that and I should I should answer for that but at the end of the day I have danced with music post post knowing what's going on and stuff like that and even on top of that he promotes colorism in our culture like he actively promotes colorism let's let's be real and I've always been hypercritical of artists that I love I've done it with Jake Carve, done it with Kendrick Lamar um I do feel like it's something that I need to always be questioned on just to remember what I'm consciously doing um, by playing his music or enjoying his music. Um, But yeah, I think it's an interesting topic and I guess just the extent of what R. Kelly has done, what we know of anyway, and the documentaries which I watched last year last January leave a slightly different taste in my mouth um and that's really shameful to say because apparently vibes did stuff in terms of the bones and the body and there's there's a lot to to that case but um yeah I get I guess it's a muddled answer for listeners um and the moral line is a bit skewed in this in this sense but Eek, mm. sue me. Like, that. that is, Eek. you know... <laughs> you know, like, it is, you know... Sh- you know, to be honest, I, I am going to be honest. It's more... How I listen with vibes now is more through others or, like, radio, even though that's not an excuse. But I still play his music now and then. But even growing up, it was obviously by people playing it that I knew who he was. Going to raves going to carnival pre-parties stuff like that but yeah I can't lie I, I listen to a murderer I, I do and there's more than one because hip-hop culture and all of that as well but yeah that, that that's my line you know call me a hypocrite whatever so I'm gonna I'm just gonna say for me personally um I understand the sentiments. Like obviously, he's murdered someone, and his music has it does talk about murder quite a lot and all those types of things. But really and truly, like 
<laughs> look at the scape look at the scape of music like look at um hip-hop and all those types of things like we t- we look at 50 cent for example talking about his life how he got shot nine times um we look at jay-z talking about a few things and jay-z actually shot someone mm-hmm. um we talk like there's so many examples and i feel like it's fairly interesting because mm-hmm. i think a few seasons ago we spoke about how cardi b people started hating on cardi b um, during not hating they they rightfully had they had the right to but when they found out that cardi b was like drugging men and um kind yes. of like stealing from them whilst they were like drunk at like strip clubs and stuff like that people were like <laughs> wow like i can't believe she's done this she says this in her songs literally it's in her music and i feel like it's very interesting how people will consume um like music from like hip-hop to rap and like taking the stories about how some things have happened but then when it comes to reality and it's like fbi and police and all these things comes come into the equation it's like wow i can't believe a human would do this you listened to the song so i'm just like why is this example being brought up now like what what is that going to do is it the fact that he's been convicted that you're asking this question mm. because if it was a rumor that he killed someone and that his music was out there still would people still be saying this because i don't i, I don't think it they would um and i'm not saying that like listening to his music is possible and that it's it's particularly fine i do think there needs to be an investigation into how we're so comfortable listening to music that can be quite traumatic sometimes but at the same time, I do believe that there's a line between R. Kelly and Vibes Cartel. Like R. Kelly, the music he wrote was active. Like he wrote about things that he did and feelings he felt towards underage women. Whereas Vibes Cartel may have been speak- speaking about his life and his environment. Yeah. And I just think that there's a massive difference between that. Like that's trauma that will live with people for the rest of their lives. But death, death will, death will too. I'm talking about simply on the line of comparison to R. Kelly, because you could argue and say that um, what R. Kelly has done to these women has passed through many generations. Like if we think from Aaliyah to the girls that he was keeping in um, his kind of um, collective of women and all these types of things. Oh my God. It's it's something that was going from one person to the next person to the next person. And then he was writing music for Aaliyah. Um, he wrote some of the songs on Age Ain't Nothing But A Number. What's it called again? A- he wrote all the songs on Age Ain't yep, Nothing But A Number. Exactly. So I think in terms of like intention, it's a very, it's a very interesting argument to have, yeah. but I'm just finding it interesting that we're having it now because hip-hop culture and a lot of the music we talk about is about realism it's about the environment that people are brought up and i always bring this quote up but nwa said that um if you want us to change our music change our environment so if you want to if you actually want to go into the nitty-gritty of um the slums of jamaica and um what goes over there with shower posse and a few of the gangs and um drug wars that go on in jamaica investigate that before you ask that question because there's a lot more to the politics that happen in the in the jamaican music scene um and in jamaica than people are actually commenting on um and i I feel like it's very, very ignorant. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I'm not saying Shoppe is ignorant for this because I, I saw this conversation on Twitter ages ago, but I do think it's slightly ignorant that this is being brought up now as kind of a rebuttal to R. Kelly. It's not the same thing. It's very, very different. Um, R. Kelly didn't have to do what he did. And I'm not saying Vibes did either, um, but the environment that Vibes was in um, and the type of life that he led, I just think he he lived a very different type of life. And that's not to say I'm RIP to the person that he murdered, but I don't think the comparison is fair whatsoever. And I think that like hip hop and even what Jamaica's going through, 
um, the product of environment is rooted to race as well and politics and what has happened um, post-slavery, post, like, the, the infrastructure of countries providing to that country and then politicians and what they do in Jamaica specifically. I know there's a corrupt system in place, clearly. And in hip-hop, obviously, it's the structure of... Um, obviously, origins of hip-hop, America... Um, as NWA and other groups have said, Tupac, very big, um, very big messenger on this whole point. The fact that there's food deserts, you know, where these people are growing up, there's lack of education in terms of these people get suspended for the smallest of things. There's lack of wealth, you know, parents are working job to job um, in most, most of these environments because there are some rich people in hip hop pretending in this era, but um the majority of them grew up in poverty and poverty unfortunately leads to some of the actions that we hear on the songs and I'm not saying that you know they couldn't have not shot the gun but they did and the thing is when when you see stuff there's PTSD there's um there's peer pressure syndrome there's people who got you know thrown into gangs um and there's people who live right next to gangs when they're recording music and trying to do the right thing. So what are, what else are you going to talk about rainbows if you grew up in a sky block where everyone's getting shot every day? Like, come on. But yeah, I think that's a good question and a good topic to bring up, Chopé. Um, I think, yeah, people's moral compasses and agendas in particular, very interesting. Um, and I just think that I want to say and address to the, most of our listeners are black. I want to say that the black diaspora in the UK has a long way to go, as well as the globe. Um, I remember being on, you know, the grapevine and someone in particular telling me, these diaspora wars are over, da, 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 da. Shut your mouth, number one. Number two, do some research and talk to some people. And number three, stop being disingenuous. Even if your family or your immediate friendship circle don't have this whole, these Nigerians, this, 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 they eat this, they listen to this, or, Nigerians don't have this whole Jamaicans like this, Jamaicans like that, Caribbeans. Blah, 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 blah. It exists and it's very alive. It was alive in my ACS. <laughs> it was alive today and it will continue to be alive unless we check ourselves and check each other. Um, and I think that this whole NS10 v10, I think it's great and no signal, but I think some choices could have been made when they saw the tone and direction of what the timeline was doing. Because even post that battle, uh, WizKid vibes, the next day was still chaos in certain enclaves as well. So yeah, I just think we know, we know what happens. We know what happens and it's happened since 2012. It's happened since, you know, even before social media. So yeah, I just think that they've learned and I still want the platform to win. They're doing amazing things and they've lifted my mood many a nights. But I just think cultural sensitivity, sorry, is super important going into these things. But glad they cleared up the clash thing as well. Super important. Okay, so next topic. We've spoken about this guy for pretty much at least every once a season, you know, or twice. Um... Yeah, it's just interesting with what's going on right now. But Drake, we'll go to Toronto here. Drake, obviously he's back. You know, he could not stay away from popular culture, from the masses. And Tootsie, Tootsie Shuffle was, or Tootsie Slide, sorry, was not his only return, obviously during COVID-19. 
he came back with a full mixtape called Dark Lane Demo Tapes, which was released last week. Um, and during the week of release, we found out a couple of things about Drake in the media from obviously people who are writers, from sales, from fans, all of this. And there were a couple of interesting kind of marks to this week. So first of all, which I read and I highly recommend, everyone who has read it has said it's amazing. This piece is truly a conversation starter. So Outgrowing Drake uh, is the generational gap that we didn't predict. This was published on Level, which is a media offshoot or medium offshoot. And the writer was David Dennis Jr. released on May 5th. This is an 11 minute read for you long readers out here. So he basically highlights how he loved Drake um, at 22 years old, which was 10 years ago. And now he's 32 years old with a kid, with a wife, all of this. And he basically journals in such a poetic style, his, his listening from so far gone to now, to the tape just released. Um, ironically, it's a mixtape as well. Um, so he goes into Drake's trajectory. Some of the quotables is he's a one-man boardroom assessing the musical and cultural landscape and then building his gleaming high-rise smack in the middle of the hot neighbourhood towering over everyone's developments. That's uh, an assertion about Drake. Then he goes into Drake has embraced superstardom while avoiding infusing his music with anything that feels real. His self-reflection is all platitude, um, yeah, platitudes and performance are acting like vulnerability while keeping the truth at arm's length. That's another quote. Um, and I think the last one that I'm going to read from this piece is Drake has positioned himself as someone who deserves to be discussed among rap's all time greats. If that's the career trajectory he wants to have, then it's fair to ask him to push himself to more substantive greatness. So this is an 11 minute read. Great article. But it started a huge conversation online about where Drake is what he's doing, is he declining? And if you don't remember, um, he had an interview with Rap Radar in um, December, we all, which broke the internet again, because it's Rap Radar's biggest interview or one of their biggest interviews. And he said he's in a competition, as I said last week with Kendrick and J. Cole, and it's gonna be interesting this decade to see who last outlasts each other, defines the 20s essentially. And then we're gonna get into sales because it, it did, hits, hits Daily Double, basically predicted what he is due to sell this Monday, okay? Because Monday charts, we all know what happens there. Um, this is the US, by the way. So, Dark Lane Demo Tapes will debut at number two on the Billboard Hot um, Albums chart with 226,000 sold, okay? So, this is still big numbers, still huge numbers, but I'm gonna take you through Drake's discography a little bit. Thank Me Later opened at number one with 447,000 units. Take Care, 631,000. Then if you're reading, no, no, not if you're reading this too late. What does um, NWTS stand for guys? Nothing was the same. Nothing was the same. Right, 658,000, number one again. If you're reading this, it's too late. 495,000, number one again. Views, 852,000, number one. More life, 505,000. So just half a million at number one. And Scorpion, 732,000 units, number one again. 
If you want to know the mixtapes, um, So Far Gone, which was when his visibility wasn't as high, was 73,000 units, number six. And So Far Gone, the mixtape, because there was two versions, 45,000 units, number five. Okay, so this is kind of Drake's first, as a kind of huge juggernaut artist, his first number two record, right? And the sales compared to all those other sales that I highlighted before the So Far Gones, um, at least double, in most cases, at least double the number of that 230 units or so. So what are you guys' thoughts on Drake's trajectory right now? And where do we think the 20s define Toronto's finest. Um, can I just ask, are those pure cells that you were reading or are the streams included? Those were co those were combined with everything. Those were combined. Obviously, the early, earlier on in his career, it would obviously be more physical because streaming then came in after the years, thank me later and all of that. But these are combined cells. Yeah. So with combined cells, I'm not really surprised that he's charting quite low, um, well, lower than he usually would with this latest project, um, especially with what's going on in the world and everything. He should be um, streaming higher, considering who he is. But really and truly, these were throwaway songs he put on a mixtape. So, like, it wasn't something he hyped up, he didn't really talk about. It's literally he leaked a song and then he dropped it on the next day. And that's not me defending Drake. Like, I'm going to be completely honest. I do actually see a decline in Drake and um, mm -hmm. what he's doing. Um, I'm of the opinion, because I was thinking about this earlier, I think the last Drake project, and allow me to explain what I mean by this, like the last Drake project we received was um, Thank Me Later. Um, Thank Me Now, sorry. Wait, which one? Wait. The last one? Thank Me Later, sorry. Thank Me Later. Wait, what? That, the last one? Understand what I mean. So what I mean by that is after he released that project, he released, what's it called? Take Care. Um, and what a lot of those songs were originally supposed to go to The weekend. Um, who he managed um, under OVO. I don't think he was managing The Weeknd. The Weeknd was, he was an affiliate. He was an affiliate and he was, and he was writing for OVO. He was, okay, he owned the label that was part of, well, well The Weeknd was part of the OVO at some point. He was an affiliate. Either way, my point is a lot of the songs that were on Take, Take Care were written by The Weeknd. And that's the beginning of when Drake started to kind of look around and see what people were doing and put it into his music. And obviously it's gone into a stage now where we're seeing him jump on waves, like like I said last episode with the drill movement, okay. um, kind of looking at um, like uh, dance hall for last summer, well, a few summers ago for views. Um, he's the type of person who looks around and see what people are doing and then he'll jump on it. Um, and mm. he'll kind of take it as, oh, we start, I started this and all those types of things. And look at the kind of comments he's received from the UK. I mean, if you look at, um, sorry, I can't think of the album off the top of my head. But if you think of More Life, for example, there's loads of inspiration from the UK on that. Loads of inspiration. Yeah. And what I mean by um, Thank Me Later being the last Drake album we received, it's the last project I actually think he had, he was completely um, creatively independent on. Um, I feel like he had a lot of cooks for his later albums and I feel like he's slightly running out of steam because he's being seen as like that old guy who jumps on songs now um, to kind of stay relevant. I do think that um, he will drop something like the album he's talking about and the streams for that will be nuts. Um, he does still have a huge core fan base, but I do agree with Chopin's sentiments about how Drake needs to go away for a while, kind of figure out what he's doing in terms of music because he doesn't need to be on the pulse as, as he's been um, 
he doesn't need to do that anymore. He needs to go away, look at his sound, look at what he actually wants to make mm. um, and then come back and drop a project su- like in a, a surprise two years or something like that. Or otherwise what's going to happen is um, he will just disappear. Like his music will decline. People will get fed up with all of the the attempts to be in their faces. People will question his um, legacy, all of these types of things. Um, he's starting to become very corny to a lot of people, including me who, I, I it's no joke. A lot of people know that I love Drake's music. Yeah, of course. Um, or I did up to Scorpion. Actually, I didn't even like, if you're, what's not, not what's the one with Future? What, what a time to be yeah, alive. What a time, what a time to, to be, be alive. alive. Which I have never heard to this day, still never listened to that project. Don't press play. You'll hate it. Don't, don't press play. I didn't, uh, it's it's not a good project i don't like future personally and that's kind of when drake declined for yeah. me views wasn't that good. i didn't like views either um scorpion was a lot of throwaways and it kind of mixed towards the beef with pusher so you're kind of like he had an album and then i think he added a few more because mm. of the beef with pusher and it messed up the whole sequence um i think drake is too influenced by his environment and i'm going to use pusher t again as an example with that situation he is constantly defending his legacy with trying to jump on trends um, trying to defend himself against body shots from the likes of Pusha T or when he had beef with Joe Budden or Meek Mill, um, all of these people. So I do think it's a matter of time before he runs out of steam. Yeah. So yeah, I agree I agree with the article. Um, I will say though, that I am not surprised that his streams are quite low at the moment. Um, yeah. I think across the industry, people have been seeing a decline in um, physical sales um, for obvious reasons. Um, there should be an increase in streams though. So I'm quite intrigued by that. But I'm not surprised right now that he's not doing that well. But like I said, throw away songs on a mixtape. So yeah, that's all I have to say. I feel like with Drake, um, to be honest, I was just looking at the track listing and stuff. And ironically, like the same amount of cooks were in Thank Me Later than with like Take Care and Nothing was the same as well. Um, 40, obviously huge influence on the in each of those albums, to be fair. It was just additionals like Swiss Beats, etc, etc. Omen is even on one of his albums as well, which is cool. Um, but I think with Drake, what has happened is the commercialization of Drake happened. Arguably, it started to happen with... No, it got cemented with Thank Me Later. Um, or oh, sorry, Take Care. Um, and then nothing was the same really said, you're that star now. You're the mega star. Um, people love you. You've got the fans. You will be here for a while. You'll be here. And I think what happened during that space of from um thank me later to nothing was the same um arguably in take care was that the lyrics and the introspection changed on thank me later sorry because they both think him with a t i'm getting them confused um but thank me later he was more motivational it was more adjacent to conventional hip-hop and he was definitely jay-z's his idol you know when he secured that collaboration it was huge you know and jay-z's had been his biggest idol one of as well as little wayne um and i think and kanye, and kanye of course yes 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 quintessentially kanye which we'll get to in a minute yeah a hundred and um yeah so i think with and kid cuddy of course but with Thank me later. It was more of that motivational, that I just want to be set, that that grit, you know, make me proud, all of this kind of stuff. But then we move into the relationships, and the, and there was still relationships on the first album, but he really became that pillow talk on, you know, take care, and then nothing was the same in some places built on that. 
Um, but he found his kind of 808s and heartbreaks method and went with that. And I think that built the superstar that we love and the Drake that the mainstream began to fall in love with. But then the trends, as Eden kind of highlighted, came even though it was a trend with the the relationship stuff, but it was more akin to him, in my opinion, um, and the influences that The Weeknd gave him, etc., with the lyrics and party, of course. But I think with the trends and it becoming really rolling ball after rolling ball, if that's popping, I'm going to take that in. That's popping. When the Future and Drake collaboration happened for me, when he started to pivot in that direction, that was when I was like, Drake, like what like I liked you for just being that that nerd that soft boy that whatever just do what you wanted to speak from the heart and that and even whether that was orchestrated or not that gave us at least in an artistic sense enough to kind of have Drake like as that person even if it wasn't the motivational as much but we got the kind of introspective texts that kind of stuff it fit the generation that we are um, but the trend setting stuff after the future stuff, it, it just became a bit corny to me, actually very corny. And I think that's when I started to take a step back and I was like, art- artistry wise, artistically, he's just not the artist that I once thought he would be. But, and that's a shame. And I think what Eden said about the beefs, um, actually, I've always seen this, you know, he always wanted to be that one lyrics wise of our generation but Kendrick slid slid in there Kendrick got in there first um, and Kendrick won at that game and he's always been annoyed about that that has always been on his brain and I I can see it he's always wanted to get that cosign in the hip-hop the rapper's rapper community for his lyrics and he always speaks about it in so many interviews always even the rap radar one he's he's spoken about lyrics and all of that but um that's what's led to him. That's why he's so pressed with Pusha T as well. Obviously, Pusha T did other stuff, his kid, all of that. But essentially, you know, Pusha T has that respect for the pen, for what he's doing. Even Drake has respect as a penmanship, but he'll never be... That will never be the first thing you say about Drake. In my opinion, that will never be the first thing you go to. Like, oh my God, he's the best with the pen. Like, he's the top with the pen. And I think that's always concerned him so he's chosen the commercial route the meme culture the tiktok culture in later years the trap the i'm going to be the cool kid if i'm not going to be the person at the hip-hop table if i'm not going to be as respected there then i'm just going to be the commercial kid and i'll be known for that i'll be pop culture's juggernaut you know for the rest of for the rest of my career and that's where he's starting to run a race where people are starting to see the cracks in. And I'm so glad that the conversation and critique is happening, not because I want Drake to go away, because he's still, I'm still in the club turning up. Let's, let's, let's get that straight. I'm still doing that. But I want him to get better again, because I know he has it in him. Like, there's some songs that I love from Motivational Drake era, like from So Far Gone and Thank Me Later. That's my favourite Drake. That will always be my favourite Drake, always. But um, the decline is happening. Um, as Eden said, let's not conflate COVID-19 with sales just yet. But this decade, as I've always said, and people called me crazy when I first said it, but this is the decade where we will see the cracks in Brand Drake. But that is my thoughts. What do you think, Shopee?
because I'm I'm actually excited to see what you think. <laughs> um, so um, I want to sh- first shout out the writer of the article that you um, mentioned, um, David Dennis Jr. I read this um, when it um, dropped, and I thought it was a, a fantastic read, a really thorough and well-written breakdown of where Drake is at and where he's been these last 10 years. And um, I want to go on to Eden's point about the sales. I'm not surprised he sold this much, um, in spite of streamings and whatnot, because in spite of everything, in spite of big ears, this was a throwaway project. And I kind of, so obviously like his fans, even his diehard fans may not have cared that much. Like I'm a fan of Drake, but I still listening to this. So like, though, it's just, it's not the same hype or attention being given to a studio album. It's kind of like, I don't know who I could compare it to, but I guess if I'm going to compare it, it's kind of like, who can I think of? Who's I think of someone who's released like a side project recently, which wasn't. Yeah, I guess um Beyonce's Lion King album, like it sold well, but it didn't sell as well as Lemonade or Self Tower because it wasn't. You know, it's not her album. I mean, it is an album, but it's not a, an official studio album, which would get the same level of you know rollout as you know, Scorpion would or Views mm. So I'm not surprised it sold um less than his last projects. I'm not surprised at that. I am surprised it didn't go number one, though. Well, I mean, we'll find out on Monday, but that, if that is to be true, yeah. that's, I'm very surprised at, because I thought, above anything, even if, if it doesn't sell as strongly as others, like, it's going to go number one, because Drake kind of just has that, 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 that knack. He just, he can just fought out number one albums, but I'm surprised that this will be the first time he doesn't go to number one. Um... I don't really know where to start with this. I have quite a lot to say. But I will say, um, I want to read something from the article during the... Because he did a very good analysis of Tootsie Slide, that terrible song. And I just want to find that. Which which article is this, Shopee? The one we're talking about. Oh, okay, yeah. So he so throughout the article, there's an amazing analogy, an amazing reference and metaphor about Drake kind of like, you know, being this high-rise in, in, the, big, in the big neighbourhood and kind of everyone kind of follows his lead. And I want to quote this particular line about TikTok and Juicy Slide. And he said, there's Drake again, tapping into a cultural moment and planting his, planting his flag right at the centre. And I just thought that was just so perfect. Oh, yeah. That's literally, that's literally what has been going on for the last five years. With uh, Afrobeats and Dancehall, mm. Drill Now tiktok everything has just been so calculated and just so on the nose and i understand that you know as i since industry you're supposed to calculate so like i i'm not one of those guys like oh they're promoting too much well that's their job they're supposed to promote their album oh they're doing this well they're supposed to but drake's is just so it's so shameless at this point (laughs) it's just shameless it's just so obvious it's like really really gonna create this two minute song do a little dance, get it go viral, do a homemade video. It's like, of course. I think the issue with, with Drake is, is that it's not even necessarily that uh, he doesn't necessarily have the capability to be a great artist anymore. I think it's... because And this mm. is um, an interesting point. It's, it's We need to consider what legacy does Drake want for himself? What kind of artist does he want to be? So uh, everyone keeps comparing him to like, you know, Jay-Z and Kendrick, who obviously have made such, and even like Outkast, who over their career made such landmark statements artistically, sonically, um, visually. And Drake hasn't been doing that. But then we have to realise Drake may not just be, he may not be that artist, but everyone is, you know, this big conceptual artist like that. 
you know, which is fine, it's understandable. But mm. I think the issue for me is just like, so why you? I said this last week. You've you have you've earned enough goodwill at this point to warrant a break. We're not going to forget about you for take three years off. I promise you. Like you've done too much. You're so ingrained. You're so synonymous with pop culture, hip hop culture at large at this point. Like I know for a fact that if he was to piss off, we would actually be like, oh, mm. I miss Drake. Where's Drake at? Where's Drake at? I I know for a fact that would happen. So I don't understand what inner fear he is going through, insecurities he is going through, that he feels he has to kind of just kind of always be around on the surface, on the fringes, even doing stuff with the Latin American scene and Latin trap. It's like you're just everywhere doing everything. And I don't you don't necessarily have to. And that's what is just confusing to me. But I think the number one thing we have to consider is what kind of artist does he want to be? 100%. But saying that, saying that, I still feel there's no excuse for him to at least grow in terms of what he speaks about. Even if, you know, musically stays the same. I think in terms of subject matter, I think as a rapper, as a man, you know, you're 33 or whatever, like, you need, like, we need, we, it's long overdue some maturity and some introspection yeah. and some, yeah, I guess, I guess some more internal, some more inward music from you. And you've kind of always had that vibe, the interest, um, that antisocial old R&B thing. But it was kind of like very, not, well, not immature, but it was very much a product of his age. Because I feel like we now need the grown man version of the man we got on So Far Gone and Thank Me Later and Come Back. We need like the grown up version of that in regards to how he deals with, the way he speaks about his relationships, his family, 100%. his place in the game. Because I feel like his contemporaries do that very well. I feel like J. Cole is a great example of that. I think Kendrick's a great example of that. Even, even, it's gonna pay, even Big Sean, even though his music has not been the best, I feel like, I feel like Big Sean address, I feel like Big Sean addresses these things with a, with a bit more nuance than Drake does, with a bit more finesse. Like, there's actually a song of mine that, Song of it comes from called Win Some Lose Some, which which was, which was on Dark Sky Paradise, I think it was. Oh yeah. I thought that was I thought that was a brilliant song to kind of just really get into where his head is at. Even though Big Sean is not obviously the rapper that Drake is, um, and he he's had his own pitfalls and you know issues with quality recently. But I feel like even people like Big Sean, I feel I've got a bit more out of them than someone like Drake. Where I just feel like Drake is just at this point increasingly, increasingly becoming more and more vapid just just yeah. insanely vapid and just like so devoid of personality <laughs> like Wale is another example yeah. Meek Mill like yeah. they're like yeah. we're seeing different colours different sides we're, we're getting like we're getting a bit of icing yeah. here like Pusha T J-Rock like this is just off the top of my head there's other 100%. artists Vic Mensa like Chance even even Chance Thrapper <laughs> Even Charles Thrapper. Mm. And even like um the, his female contemporaries. I feel like we're getting so much more out of them, even if they are, you know, pigeonholing themselves to fit these commercial standards and, you know, fitting top 40. Which I just feel like Drake is just... There's just nothing there. It's just like... It's like airhead rap music, yeah. if I'm being honest. Like, and I've got that a lot with his, his last album. And even when he tries to be, I guess, more open and like a bit more vulnerable, it just comes across feeling a bit... 
it just it doesn't feel genuine. I just don't. It's just not. It doesn't feel genuine. It just feels. It feels like even you trying to be deep is calculated. It doesn't feel like ha. This really was on my spirit. This was really on my soul. I want to write about this. Like yeah. And I just like you know where is your you know where is your and even musically I feel like even sonically I think you've you've really peaked as well. I think like using the old night samples and even even though. I'll forever credit him for being like a forebearer of the tenor of R&B sound. It's time for you to let it go and move on. It's time. For, it's time. For I agree. Next. It's time for something else. Like the weekend, you know, he's expanded. Jenny Aiko has expanded. Not this last album was trash, but Trip and other projects. Yeah. He's expanded on her sound. Tanashi have expanded on that sound, and they also Frank Ocean, Miguel, and they all together created that old R&B sound. Whereas Drake, I just kind of feel like everything is just meh to me at this point. Yeah. And to the point where you are now one of those artists where I don't rush to press play on you anymore. So this album came out last week. I have not heard one single song. I have not heard a single thing. Whereas you can when Take Care came out, I would have been the first there. Nothing was the same. I would have been the first there. The mixtapes would have been the first there. Because I fucking loved Drake when you came out. When he was brand new, I loved that guy. Same. Unreleased songs, the Lucy's, all the features, everything. I was on Drake. Drake, Wale, Kikari, those were my guys, yeah. 2010. Those were my guys. Whereas now, even though Kikari has fallen short, I still have enough reverence for him where I will still always have a low system to check out what he's put out, just because of what he's given me over the years. With Drake, I kind of just feel like, like he's, he's in Chris Brown territory to me. When Chris Brown drops, I'm like, um, okay, next, slow news day, all right. I think it's worse because Drake's everywhere. I think it's so worse and because like he can't, the mainstream still eat him up, like regardless of what we have to say, we still eat him up. And I think with the analogy of J. Cole and uh, Drake, I was in my room downloading those mixtapes, okay? Like Dome gave me the same feeling, that motivational, that I'm ready for your careers to reach that level. Like I'm betting on you two. Like they were my guys. Like I had all their projects, every single one which is why I was so happy when So Far Gone's anniversary came and then it came back out and all of that. I was so happy, but um, it's just sad. Like, it is really sad with Drake. And I feel like he, as I said, the competition with Kendrick, he wanted to be that top dog. Kendrick got in there first as the lyricist of his generation. And he then said, what lane do I win in? Oh, it's the commercial route. None of these niggas can win like I can win. And he faced into that and it's just become so processed and microwave that we've lost who Drake really is. And it's, it's kind of like, we got some of that on the, um, Take Care. We definitely did. We got some of that on Take Care. We got some of that on Thank Me Later, particularly. We got some of that on So Far Gone, but I think fundamentally he's a character now and he he knows acting very well we know that and I think now he's he's only a shadow of his former self and he's he's not really anything with substance and the article highlighted that he's he's nothing of substance he's nothing with depth with grit it's Starbucks on 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 a hundred it's Starbucks on steroids to be honest and um (sighs) He needs someone to have that hard conversation with him um, sooner rather than later. But again, it depends on who he wants to be because if he if he has that in his mind, the forefront of his mind that I just want to be the commercial act, then yeah, you can continue to just release microwave music if you want. That is a choice. But 
I think a lot of his fans, even the stands right now who are eating up everything, would love grit to brand Drake, would love a bit of motivational kick up the arse, would love a bit more perspective because he's been everywhere. He's been in the basketball arena. He's been in the mainstream pocket. He's had a baby controversially. He's He's been Toronto. There's so much culture there from his upbringing. Um, there's, there's even the upbringing of his dad and his relationship that he could really face into and give us a little bit of chunk into instead of the fake force leak informa- information there, there's layers being jewish there's a you lot know, of layers with that that, that, that battle black and jewish like there's a lot that we could get that even the even the territories that he grew up in or that he visited during as a kid like there's so much and do you know what like toronto when i went they his the culture he is that culture he is the modern face of that like there's so much he can draw on from that city and from... And that's why even to the world, some people... To be honest, culturally, I will admit, some some people will say that Views isn't a classic who are outside of the city. But even if he faces into what he did on the city with Views, like, Torontorians talk about that album completely different to mainstream audiences. Um, they love that album because it reflects the seasons, the references in Toronto, like... There's a lot of nuance that we just wouldn't understand. It's like how grime musicians, like even rappers like Kano, for example, will reference some London things and will only get it and call it a classic. But um, yeah, Drake has so much to face into. I just love a bit more depth, even if it's not the full core of who he is. Just just hints of that would get me excited again. Just hints like the take, um, the thank me later, Drake. I was I was in front of that MTV screen when Successful was played. I'll tell you that right now. Like, I was ready for him to be... And he is. he still is one of hip-hop's, this generation's biggest... He is the big... He is popular culture. He is. I, I just need more. Listen, I was I was in Toronto when Best I, Ever came, Best I Ever Had came out. And I was like, who is this guy? That must have been I nuts. I was like, who is this guy? That must have been crazy. Crazy. Same time as Justin Bieber um, as well. When he came out, I heard that in Toronto as well. That's huge. Um, that is huge. Like, huge. We've really lived a whole decade with these two artists who've been ruling for a long time. But I do think... Mm. I, that's actually quite an interesting parallel because I do see the same thing happening to Justin. Like, obviously... Oh my um, gosh, yes. He, yes. I think he went to number one with Ariana Grande with that song they had together, but I think that's more to do with Ariana's influence because he's been struggling to get um, Yummy to even chart that high for a while. Yummy went to number two. Yummy did very well. Yeah, but he was begging for it to go to number one, and that's Justin Bieber. Like No, but he still charted high. Yeah, but if we're talking on the conversation of Drake getting to number two instead of going to number one, it's the same parallel for Justin Bieber. Mm-mm. He always gets number ones or kind of goes to the Mm-mm. to the top of the charts quite easily. If you look at Justin's single history from the beginning, he wasn't even really getting that many top tens. Justin was an album guy. It was only the last album they started actually getting like legitimate top ten and number one singles. Like boyfriend not boyfriend, baby wasn't a number one single. One Time wasn't a number one single. A lot of his signature songs from, like, in his early years, they weren't traditional hits. He kind of was very much similar to Britney Spears. Now, I was going to say, it's interesting that you use the word traditional because I think that's where the line is drawn. Because although they weren't hits, you could you could argue that the variability made them hits in the culture. Because if you think about Baby, for example, that was the number one most disliked video on YouTube. And I know that's not really saying anything, but it had a billion views. So... 
and if we look at and I'm basically what I'm comparing is like the downturn because there shouldn't be a position where Justin Bieber's begging to go to number one like there, sh- there shouldn't be a position where he's struggling to um get a song that's to a, to a certain position so he's been begging people to um either like delay some things like I know there was some controversy with um uh what's his name again uh the box um Roddy Rich. Roddy Rich. Like there was an issue there where um, oh, I can't remember what happened, but there was an issue there. Justin Bieber's declining, and Drake is declining. But Justin Bieber faced into what it is. I think that to hit the nail on the head with Justin Bieber this era is he faced into stan culture to get that number one. He directly faced into it, and he said, "Have a playlist party." strategically get me to that position because I need it. He released ringtones, he did he did the whole thing. Like he did and that is obviously some artists fuel that in their arsenal, but the way in which he was communicating, communication was key in that campaign was from a very I need you and I'm I'm declining standpoint. And that that was the message that I got from that yep. era. Um, not memorable. People do not talk about that album. And I know it's a couple months only, COVID-19, etc. But it's forgettable. From the conversations that I've seen, it came and went. No, it came and went. Yeah. That whole album came and went. But I think that's just evident of the fact there's a culture shift that's happening at the moment. And I said this on social media that um, what we're witnessing right now is Gen Z are becoming the forefront yeah. of social media. Like TikTok, Twitter, I'm I'm seeing massive differences in the accounts that are circulating, um, who's popular, like how Twitter is being used. I'm seeing a lot more emojis, a lot more kind of like mm. um, gifs that have like a unique reason. Like the link, the language has changed. Like you think about locals, that took me a while to even understand what that was about. Like Gen Z are taking over, and it's evident in the music now. And Drake and Justin Bieber and all these people who ten years ago were ruling the scene. I mean, look at Nicki Minaj for example. Um, it's time to kind of look at other ventures, invest in other places. Don't make the same mistakes as previous generations um, of people who were massive and then kind of declined and either went to prison or they lost their fortunes. It's time to invest in either something to do with the entertainment field, podcasts, um, TV shows, movies. Do what Jay-Z is doing with his list of investments. Rihanna's doing, like Rihanna's definitely someone who I think has realized that she needs to be ahead of the curve um, because she's definitely stepped away and said, okay, music is doing well and everything, but there's a possibility that someday it might not do. And I know that's like a very wild statement. Um, And I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start a business. Mm. And now she has a billion dollar business. Um, But that doesn't, that's only, only, that's only coming from like a, a making money standpoint. This isn't the issue with Drake is the, is the quality of his music, I, I don't think it is. No, I think it's coming from a legacy standpoint. So I think I think it's not necessarily just money. No, but you mentioned you mentioned that artists should be making other business ventures. Like that goes to a point of them they need to make money because they know music industry isn't really serving them financially. My 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 logic with this conversation is the quality of the music. So Nicki needs to make better music. Justin needs to make better music, regardless of how much it sells. I just think the the main problem for all these people. Or making shit music. But I think there's a I think there's a link there. I don't think they're going to make good music if they're stressed about chasing the curb because the culture is changing. So they need to either do something that 
like start a new business or take a vacation from making music so they can then look at the scene and realize that the audience has changed so i think it's linked i think like starting a new business and focusing on something completely different gives you the opportunity to be like okay i can relax a bit because music isn't my only form of income and it's not the only thing that people will know me for um if Nicki minaj went away for a while and she invested in i don't know something that um she's known for um like i don't know maybe she had like a hair apparel or something along those lines or something um like something to do with that i'm pretty sure if she came back and made music like a year or two later she would have more inspiration she would collaborate with a lot more artists that make sense for the next generation so i do think it's linked i think they need to take a break i think all these people from the last decade are just going to keep trying to cater cater for us but even we like we're looking at the 90s right now like there's a lot of nostalgia that's going on because of things like verses because of things like yeah. um we're taking interest and in listening to music with our parents who we have to quarantine with there's so many things that are going to have to change with regards to how they're making music and who they're making for yeah. and we won't like it because it won't be for us but that should be their aim and i don't think they're ready for that personally can i just say with can i quickly say with rihanna i do feel like with rihanna there's slightly different influences there and i've read from her interviews and her her just the mood the general mood with rihanna i think with her rihanna always kind of in in terms of her albums and stuff she did not ever go in the well actually she did with anti but in terms of most of her projects she set trends or been like on her own vibe and her own pace. Like she hasn't been like, right, defo, except for the anti-campaign, because we know that was a bit of a mess. Everything else, um, she's kind of been like, right, I'm feeling bubblegum pop right now. I'm feeling this right now. I'm going to go into that pocket. And if you look at her discography, she's actually been one of the most experimental pop artists that we've seen in our generation, to be honest. Um, Every album has a really different mood, a different tone, even though in that pop R&B bag in places, but... um, She's, she definitely experiments, particularly with like rock or R&B, all of that. Um, but I think she's generally grown bored of music herself. And it, it kind of does support your point that you need to go away. But I don't think she is conflicted about, I've got to chase the trend of TikTok and all of this kind of stuff in music. Um, and I think she's she'll come back when she wants to. But she's always been, except for, she's always been on her own terms in my opinion and always in control in terms in terms of her career except for the money situations and all that kind of jazz but musically she's always been faced in and like right this is the sound these are the producers neo right that sounds hot doesn't let me take it all of this kind of stuff that that's what i love about rihanna is her ear um and she's on her own terms and i think the passion projects are natural like the make that's why they're so good because especially the makeup because it's natural rihanna is a marketing force because it's authentic she's into that like she watches those videos on youtube that's why she's like let me do one because yo these people love that shit i'm about to do it it's like how naomi naturally found a love for youtube um because she's naturally like oh my god jackie Ina, let me go she's been a fan of her which is why they collaborated um I think that's what makes Rihanna such a success is because she follows her passions and that's what more of these artists need to do. Just to support Nick's point, the one time that um, Rihanna actually, I'm not going to say jump on a trend because it's much more serious than a trend, but the one time that Rihanna actually followed what was going on in general society was American Oxygen. 
and we know oh, we know God. what happened there so that definitely supports <laughs> your point those singles some of them i would disagree she also the loud era she definitely was following the dance pop electro train that was going on in music at the time do you know what i'll give you that i will give you that loud was loud was a moment there was gaga's influence there was the red one influence there was yeah i'll, I'll give you that i'll give you that but even then i hear what you're both saying but even going even if we can use Rihanna as an example the fact that this next album is apparently going to be a reggae album, and she said several occasions that she doesn't care about sales anymore or charts anymore. She's like, I want to make this music for me. Because, and that's why I'm saying that people, other artists need to do, especially people who have been like, at it for like 10, 15 years now. Like, mm. at this point, you shouldn't necessarily care anymore. If you, I mean, it's what I'm saying. If you want to do that, then that's fine, but make it clear that's what we want it to be. So, like, it's like yeah. what the article said. If Drake wants to be nailing longevity, that's fine, but he needs to make it clear. Because Drake also is trying to act like, I want to be that. I want to be with the Jay-Zs. I want to be with the Biggies. I want to be with the Nasas. But, but your output is saying yeah. otherwise. Whereas Rihanna has made it very clear that this next album, she doesn't give a fuck about pop and billboard and sales anymore. She's like, I'm making yeah. an album for me that I feel is good and that I personally enjoy. Um, I do think this, this leads on to another discussion, which we'll probably have another day. But in the example of the people that you've given, like Biggie, for example, I don't know if you said like Aaliyah or anyone, but that does bring into question what would have happened if they stayed alive. It does bring into question what would have happened to their discography if they continued their careers. But that's not the point I'm making. My point, no, my point, the point I'm making is that Drake wants to be in the ilk of these greatest rappers of all times. So yeah, he's clearly on a on a pop star tip. But the music doesn't add up. That's what I'm saying. No, but I, I understand you're saying that. But I'm saying he wants to be on the same level as them, but it's not the same playing field because they weren't given the actual opportunity to um, continue their legacy. They were cut, they were cut quite short. So I don't think it's it's a comparison that we can really make. I don't think I said Jay Z though. It's a good example. Jay Z is a good example. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Jay Z is a point. Yeah, no, Jay, I think it's a good example. I said Jay Z. He wants to be there. He wants to be there with Jay Z. He wants to be there with Nas. He wants to be there with Kanye. Kendrick. But arguably the same things happen to Kanye as well. But anyway, I think we're we're running out of time. I know we have one more topic. We do. Yeah. Basically, we're gonna be really quick with this one. <laughs> So last topic of the day happened yesterday, unfortunately. Um, so Takashi 69 Daniel Hernandez is back from prison and he went on Instagram live yesterday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I want to say, which is, um, I believe, 8 o'clock our time. He broke the accolade on Instagram live for the amount of views in one setting. He reached, I believe, 2.5 million watchers at one time. Um, I believe Tori had the record before for a couple of hundred thousand live watches at one time during quarantine radio so yeah this happened and more largely he released his single which is really unfortunate which again reached many heights on youtube um it was within the top 10 trending um and it's now at 36 million 22 hours later um and it's called gooba in the visual he makes himself a cartoon rat and laughs at the fact that he was a snitch, which is in old hip hop culture, really problematic. And yeah, he just announces that he's back. He's off of clout. This, that's what his career exists off of. And he, yeah, got into a feud, which is 
basically sums up what he was before he came out in prison of prison meek mill obviously in news in the news that he was going on live uh criticized six nine and he unfollowed him on social media calling him vicious um drama starter and just relayed his frustrations about snitching because meek mill has been a product of snitching in terms of being snitched on and has friends and family or friends, let me say friends and affiliates that have been involved with snitching. So he's, it's a sensitive topic. Uh, if you didn't know, Meek Mill grew up on the roads in terms of like street culture, all of that. So he said, I hope that the rat going live to apologise, people he told on or the victim, you all forgot that fast a rat killed Nipsey. He wasn't supposed to be on the streets. That's the only thing I'ma say. He's dead, left his baby mum and child like a coward as targets. So Meek <laughs> drew loads of controversy from fans alike and then Takashi obviously gonna comment back as well and said to focus on your baby um why are you worried about a Mexican with rainbow hair um so yeah that is the beef as of now Meek Mill continued to tweet throughout last night and Takashi 69 is back oh and he had the biggest billboards in New York to announce his comeback so what do you guys think of Six Nines come back and hip hop at this time. What do you think? Um. Well, first, I just want. Oh, oh go on, Shafi. Go on. Oh, <laughs> I think we're all racing to cuss this guy out. That's it. <laughs> Woo! Who's gonna get the hot take? Yeah, I just want to say that this all just shows that white people are more and more and more and more becoming the gatekeepers keepers of hip hop in terms of consumerism and people who actually are putting the money behind these artists and behind these artists to do as well as they're doing. Because 20 years ago, a rapper like 6ix9ine would not be allowed to thrive. Mm. And it's not to do because I personally have any ties to hood rap culture or snitching and no stitching and all that jazz. It's just that when you think about what rappers, a lot of black um, rappers at large represent their ideologies around, you know, crime and, you know, gang shit, you know, that wouldn't really be allowed to happen. I could not. I could not imagine, for example, I don't know, DMX snitching on someone, and he would be allowed to to do well. Still, he would still be received well. But the fact that, but it just shows that you know, as long as white people will still buy your music, you'll be good. Because because Six Nine has definitely lost us. He's definitely lost the black people, the black community. And he and what, I don't, has he? Mm. Has he? Because I saw a lot of my timeline yesterday playing the song and I saw a lot of my timeline posting memes and I saw a lot of my timeline like it doesn't matter your favorite rap is this your favorite rap is that so academics is apparently his PR so I feel like personally there's a generation growing up and some of them are our age mates that's also true our age that's mates also true. It's a generational thing are literally that's true as Jesse said on the podcast Jesse Bernard the clout industrial complex is building careers, okay? Bad Baby has charted on the Hot 100. <laughs> Daniel Hernandez is here, okay? And he's, he's, in 22 hours, done multiple tens of millions of views. Like, that is crazy. I feel like him saying, and I know, Fat Joe, I know, we could always go back to that, but his disrespect of black people while saying the N-word 
is what prob is what for me is the point of contention and his kind of wearing of gang culture while not understanding the the complexes of that that whole discussion and his disrespect for black people to be quite honest with you he does not respect black people and he uses us to get to the apex of hip hop and the apex of of billboard and whatever he's trying to do so he doesn't care about black people he doesn't care about the people who are a part of his streaming audience um and I didn't give the video airtime. Obviously, autoplay is a thing and it played on my... T- it, like, it came up and, like, pictures and stuff. But I didn't go to YouTube. I didn't watch that Instagram live. I, I can't give energy to that. And, yeah, I did tweet a few things, but I can't help in terms of actually giving streams to that. I just can't do it. Like, it's just not going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I think, as you said, Chope, there are a lot of parallels that are funny to see with Daniel Hernandez right now. Um, yeah, what what other thoughts, Eden, anyone else? All right, so I'm, I'm just going to say this very quickly because um, we have to wrap up. Um, so in terms of 6 9 I think there's a lot of discussions that need to be had about um, how we place um, anger towards celebrities. Um, and what I mean by that is I think we're focusing on the wrong thing completely when it comes to the crimes he's committed. Um, A lot of the talk is about how he was a snitch and that isn't even that big of an issue to me. I know street code and everything is very important. Um, Unfortunately, it's a very important building block to a lot of communities. Um, That's how some people stay alive. That's how there's some um, areas that have like, that are Switzerland where you can go where there are no issues whatsoever. That's perfectly fine. And I understand that, but that's not the issue why people should like hate 6ix9ine. And I say hate as a very strong word. Um, But I think we'll start with the idea that um, he is a plant, 100% a plant, an industry plant. Um, We will go with the idea that he is Mexican, yet he is so comfortable with using the M word. Um, And I don't care about where he's from. That doesn't mean anything to me whatsoever. He's still trash. Um, The next thing we'll talk about is how he went to court for um, sexual abuse of a minor who was 13 years old and put her in a music video with one of his friends. She was 13. And then let's talk about the fact that um, he assaulted a 16-year-old girl. He choked her. Let's talk about all of these accounts that exist in court for this one man. This one man that people want to come and talk and celebrate and view. And I'm getting really fed up with social media at the moment. I'm getting really fed up with the way people engage with people they have issues with. I I don't like to set myself as an example and I don't like to make out like I'm better than other people. But please understand, if I have an issue with someone, their content doesn't exist to me. There is no way I'm ever clicking on their content out of intrigue, out of anything. <laughs> they are dead to me. And I think it's very important that we oh. understand how that works. Like... I'm just really frustrated with the way people are interacting with things. If you don't like 6ix9ine, if, you, if you're against everything that he's done, why are you in the comments? Why are you on the video? Why are you posting the video? Like, Saying I, why, his streams are going up. Like, uh, why are we doing that? Like, why, no, but why is there intrigue? I think that's the question we should ask. Why is it so intriguing to you that you must be part of something that everyone is part of at the moment? Why can't you just be the person that's outside of the general public and doing their own thing. Why can't you not be involved with one topic for once in your life? I don't understand it and it's very confusing and frustrating to see because it gives power to these very, very weak people. 
and 6ix9ine is one of those people who thrives off of clout who thrives off of being the person mm. that's spoken about and doing these things that are seen as clownery he's he's equivalent to the people on youtube that will go to and i'm putting this in quote in um quotation marks the hood and then record themselves aggravating black people and then um, when the black person gets angry their reaction is kind of hood um he's exactly that type of person but in musical format so I don't understand. Can people wake up, please? Because it's getting frustrating. Um, if you don't like 6 9 don't listen to him. Don't interact with him. Him being a snake isn't the issue. The issue is that he's an abuser <laughs> on both a sexual and a physical level. So, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Um, and just to end the episode, because there's nothing else to speak about that, to be honest, that's the fact of the matter. He is an abuser. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm going to say... Um, Thank you guys for listening to the episode. We did run over time, um, so it's not a traditional end to the episode. But thank you very much for listening. Um, let us know what you think of the sound quality. Hopefully it's good. Um, I do believe in Tony's powers. So Tony, thank you very much for editing. Um, like I said, there is a poll that we put on Instagram, On sorry, on Google Forms. You can find it in our Instagram bio. Um, also on the Twitter pinned um, tweet. Um, please answer it. We use it as feedback for the show to improve it and make it better for you guys. Um, so yeah five minutes two minutes of your time and a better show will be coming later on but as always I've been Ease McKenzie we've got IMN Tyrell we've got Shoppe Showerton um, also check out Soul Surge as well um, and peace peace